If you have your Bibles, we're going to be uh, briefly in John 1 and in Hebrews 1. So if you want to turn there, but there's several things I want to mention before we get there. Um, I want to thank, uh, last Sunday we had uh, the Taste of Redland, and uh, we were raising money to offset the costs for our families that are going to the Creation Museum and the Ark. Uh, you know, we're leaving on the 29th and coming back on New Year's Day, Wednesday through a Saturday. By the way, if you're here today and you would like to go, we do have space. Uh, we had a cancellation, and uh, we'll be glad for you to go with us, but we're leaving on Wednesday, the 29th, coming back. But anyway, we were raising money to pay the way for older children and youth, and uh, our goal, I think, I think on paper we needed $600 or something, but you, we sold $1,700 worth of food, so, it was incredible. It was incredible. I didn't stay for the whole thing, but uh, when I left, one cake was already at $100. It, it was incredible. And so that money will help offset the cost of uh, some single moms, but also all of our, all of our children and youth are going to get to go free. Amen? And we do this. We want to go at least every 18 months or two years. So we'll try to do this because it is quite an expensive event. And, uh, but I'm so grateful for your sacrificial giving and all those that, you know, did work and got up Sunday morning and cooked or whatever you did, all those that provided food, I'm so grateful for that. I do have to do a little housekeeping and just to remind you that uh, Church Life, next this coming Wednesday, there's no Wednesday services this Wednesday or the following Wednesday. So the next two Wednesday nights, there'll be no services here at the church. Now there is... Uh, our Christmas Eve service is at what time on Friday? Five o'clock. Christmas Eve service is at five, and we'll do what we've always done for 23 years. We'll, part of that, or the main part of that, we will be observing the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, and we'll obviously be using the unleavened whole loaves. And anyway, so it's, it's an experience, and so we encourage you to come with your family and join us on uh, Christmas Eve at uh, five o'clock. Also, for the next two Sundays, for the Sunday after Christmas and for the Sunday after New Year's, there will not be Bible study at 9.15. We'll only have worship at 10.30. So no Wednesday nights, the next two Wednesdays, and then no Sunday school the next two Sundays, if that makes sense. We'll send out another reminder. I do, and I, this is just stuff I want to talk about. I know we're running behind, but that's okay. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks, so we're going to take two Sundays off of Sunday school, not church. But the next two Sundays, we won't have Bible study at, at uh, 9.15. But when we start back on the 9th of January, okay, when we start back in Sunday school on January the 9th, our Sunday school is going to be doing something a little different for, for, a, for a quarter or maybe for 10 or 8 or 9, 10 weeks. And uh, Robbie, I'll just let you come and just share a brief word about what we're going to be doing. We're, we're going to be offering two classes. He and Zach are going to be offering... Would you go and tell them about it? Uh, we'll have two classes available. Um, and what our goal is is just to offer these classes up to any of the adults and the youth. You basically have your two options. You can come choose and pick, and we're hoping that we will, you know, for the, the Sunday school classes, they're typically kind of separate. We're hoping to join everybody together for a little bit, get a little mix and mingle uh, going on in Sunday school for a little bit and enjoy um, some time, some fellowship together while studying these one topic is the law and the gospel, 
and the other one is how are we to worship. Zach is doing the worship study. I'll be doing the law and gospel study. Um, and so we just hope it's a time to gather some people together that aren't normally together and have a good um, experience and study the word together. I think sometimes we call that multi-generational classes, you know, where you have grandparents. Yes, it's good. So we've done it before, and so that's just something we're going to do a little different beginning of the new year. Also, you'll notice in your bulletin that on the Sunday night, starting Sunday night, the 9th of January, we're going to have a special study on Sunday nights for the month of January, talking about the health of the church. Um, I didn't call it church expectations. I forgot what I called it in the bulletin, but we're going to be doing a Sunday night study, just talking about where we're headed as a church, maybe share some visions and some things we'd like to do in the coming year as far as ministry is concerned. Now your Bible's open to Hebrews chapter 1. If you'll hold your finger at, at John chapter 1 and go to Hebrews chapter 1. Um, when, the, uh, when we were singing hymns, I would... Some of you probably, maybe any of you didn't pay any attention, but every time something would be said or read or sang uh, in the singing, I, I made myself a note so I would mention this to you. Um, one of the songs, well, one of the passages that we read twice out of Luke was this, uh, one of the dates, it dates when Quirinius was governing Syria, okay? Now, I'm not going to get into all the archaeological significance of that but for years and years and years those that did not believe in scripture mocked bible scholars because there was no proof of any place where there was a guy named Quirinius but just a few uh, years ago let's say 20 years ago maybe less than that in in an archaeological dig guess where they found that somebody was governing Syria and guess what his name was Quirinius was governing Syria. And it just reminded me, if it's in the Bible, guess what it is? It's true. Amen? We believe the Bible to be true. Also, it says that the shepherds made haste. Um, I think uh, it's a great picture. Uh, The Bible talks about running. It's a picture, and most of the time it talks about the spiritual picture that we're running a race, putting forth the effort. Philippians 3 does that. Uh, Hebrews 12, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. But very seldom does it describe people running. Uh, we know Peter ran, Peter and John ran. But if you'll notice the shepherds made haste, more than likely that verse is talking about they ran. And, and here's what it says, they ran to see the good news. And read the rest of it. They ran to tell the good news. Isn't that something? Isn't isn't the good news something to be excited about? Let me say that again. Isn't the good news something to be excited about? In the Gospels, um, each Gospel presents Christ in a different way. For instance, Matthew presents him as king. Uh, You find the idea of a kingdom all through Matthew's Gospel. In the, in the birth narratives, I know Christmas Eve will be in Matthew's account of the birth narrative. But in John, and then in the writer of Hebrews does much of the same thing, John's gospel goes back to creation. In the very beginning when, when Jesus created, 
And Hebrews does much of the same thing. Yes, the little babe in the manger was God the creator. And we talked about that last week because it's a very, I can remember the first time I understood this as a believer. When, when you're convinced that the Bible's true, when you're convinced of that, and it says the word became flesh. John, we're going to read it in a minute. But then you realize that in Genesis' account of creation, it was the Word speaking things into existence. And then the writer of Hebrews reminds us that it was through Christ that God made it all. So the Creator, He who made all things, and the Bible says sustains all things, was born, a, was born as a human being, lived and died for our sins. It's an incredible thing to think about. Listen, Listen to the writer of Hebrews. I'm in Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, this kind of just a little running commentary on what John says in John chapter 1. This is God's word. Listen to it. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And... And, of course, if you've read your Old Testament, he did speak in unusual ways. Sometimes he would speak out of a cloud. Sometimes he would speak through donkeys. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. Now, he spoke to our fathers, now the patriarchs. But now he's spoken to us by his Son. But in these last days, folks, Christ is the last word from God. You understand what I'm saying? This is it. There's not going to be an addendum to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Christ is the word, but he is the last word from God on salvation. He himself, both he and God the Father are both called the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, so he is the last word. Spoke to our fathers, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things. So it's that word's living. He's, he's the last word, but He's also the living word. Did you hear that? He is the last word, but He's the living word. He's the heir of of all things. Now look what it Through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. I love the Christmas hymn, Mary, Did You Know? I'm not going to sing it. And I love uh, Mark, I love the guy that wrote it, and there's a lot of great people who sing it, but one of the <clears throat> verses says, Mary, did you know when you've kissed your little baby, you've kissed the face of God? And He's God. It says, He's the exact imprint. You see that? 
the exact imprint. Uh, they were big in, in, in that part of the world, the first century, imprinting stamps of, of affirmation, of, of, of verifying the, the, you know, documents and, and cargo. Christ is the exact imprint of the nature of God. But it doesn't finish there. He says, and, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Of course, we've spent a year seeing what happens when the Son of God begins to pull His hands back from the sustaining work that He's controlling. The universe begins to fall apart when you read the book of Revelation. After making purification for sins... He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as, it, as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. His name is a name of power and his name is a name of permanence. It's, it's about the Word. Now go back to John's Gospel. Now just for a second, I've got seven minutes. Before I read John, thinking about Christ, the Christ child, the, the story of the manger, and it, is, and it is a wonderful story. But Christ didn't stay a baby. Christ became a man. And that God-man came to save sinners. But when you think about, I, I love reading uh, Isaiah. Isaiah has a lot to say about the authority of, of God. So why don't you think just for a second that th this, is, this is the God-man who came to die. He, let me describe to you some of the things the Bible says about him. Just, I'm using some verses out of Isaiah. Just to, I want you to see his authority and his power. Isaiah 40 says, there's several passages in Isaiah 40 through 43, but I'm going to give you a couple. Because God is, Christ is creator, right? He's the creator. It says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now, what... The prophet, God's telling the prophet, he's talking about the superiority of the God of Israel. And so he's giving him these word pictures of how powerful God is. So he says, he says, who, and you get the picture, who has measured the water on the earth, basically, in the cup of his hand? That's the God that came and died for our sins. He says that later on in that same chapter, he says, as a matter of fact, all the nations put together, all the nations put together are just a drop in the bucket compared to me. I like that term. Are just a drop in the bucket compared to me. All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, says the Lord. 
But this is the one to whom I will look. He's the creator of all of it, controls all of it. Now, who's God going to pay attention to? He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I will extend peace to her like a river. You know the song, Peace Like a River. This is where it comes from, Isaiah 66. And of course, this is a picture of, of Jerusalem and Israel, but also a picture of those of us that are saved. I will extend peace to her like a river. Glory as an overflowing stream. And you shall nurse and be carried upon her hip. I love that. I think about a mom who nurses, but also somehow women can carry a big baby on the hip. I, I can't carry my grandchildren. And Bonnie will grab them and put them on the hip and carry But this is God describing. God does that for us. You shall nurse and be carried upon her hip and bounce upon her knee as one who, who has his mother and comforts and is comforted by his mother, so I will comfort you. The Bible says when God utters his word from Jerusalem, it, it singes the top of Mount Carmel, Amos 1-2. The God that we worship the God that came to save us is God in human form. And, and that's where John goes in John chapter 1. There's just three things I'm going to share with you, okay? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. This is John 1.1. 1, 1. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Then it tells us about John the Baptist. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Aren't you thankful for verse 12? but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name. He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, you didn't descend, because your, your family was special, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, just procreation, nor the will of man, but you were born of God. And then in verse 14, and we'll finish, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen, him, seen His glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
There's three things the Bible says about Jesus, and we'll finish with this. Jesus Christ is preexistent. It's one of the language specialists describes some of what John 1 says. And literally, you can say it says, when the beginning was, He already was here. Jesus Christ was preexistent. He, he made it all because he, he existed before all things were made. So when we come to Christ and we want to have communion with Christ and find contentment in the Lordship of Christ and be comforted by the presence of the Holy Spirit, we do that because Christ, who we celebrate at Christmas, is the preexistent one. That's why John literally quotes the first part of Genesis 1. In the beginning was the Word. So when everything began, the Word already was. So not only is Christ preexistent, preexistent, eternity past, He's eternal. Second thing is Jesus Christ is coexistent. This is a little theological, but just think, he's preexistent. He always, he always was, but he's coexistent. And this is getting into the Trinity, but it says he was with God. There's one God. It's, it's a marvel, hard to understand sometimes. There's one God, but there's three persons. But he's coexistent with God the Father because it says he was with God. So the Christ of Christmas is preexistent. The Christ of Christmas is coexistent. And the Christ of Christmas, the third one, is self-existent. What I'm saying is, is he existed with the Father but apart from the Father because it says in him was life. This is what... <clears throat> Peter meant when he said there's only one name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Christ is the only way. And that's what he meant when he said I am the way, the truth, and the life. In him was life. Preexistent, coexistent, self-existent. Do you know the Christ of Christmas. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And our hearts are open to the Lord. And Just for a moment, in the stillness of the moments, I want you to think about Christ, about our Redeemer, who's God in human form, who talk about these words, Emmanuel, God with us, incarnate, where God became a human being and He was a God-man. And, and Philippians tells us that there's all kinds of things that He surrendered in order to do that. But the Bible says Jesus came to save. John tells us later in 1 John that He came, that Jesus came to defeat the works of the devil. 
to folks that's either knowing Christ as Lord and Savior or being condemned to the devil's hell. That's the ultimate message of Christmas. Christ was born to save. He met every obligation of the law, was sinless, was a lamb without blemish, and He died in our place. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So I have to ask you this morning, have you met the pre-existent one? Have you met the co-existent one? Have you met the self-existent one who says He is life? Do you know Jesus Christ? Folks, if you're here today and you've never been saved, what a... What a wonderful time would it be for you to repent of your sins and surrender your will to Christ just a few days before Christmas Day. Maybe you're here today and, and the hustle and bustle of this world has taken your eyes off the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know He's the Creator. You know He's sovereign. You know He's Lord. And you've been saved by His power, but you're, you're not obedient. May Maybe today is a day of renewal or reformation or recommitment. Or maybe you're here today and today is a church day. Today is a, a day that you're going to decide about planting yourself in the local church. The body of Christ, many members yet one body. Maybe today's the day that you're going to unite with, with the local church. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing just a hymn of invitation. And if God is moving upon your heart, I'm going to be waiting right here down front. And you want to come and share with me maybe what God's doing in your mind and your heart today. Father, we pray that you'll move among us now in Jesus' name. We stand and we sing.